Welcome to the Man Cave Podcast with Dan Casper. What's up, everybody? Welcome to this episode of the Man Cave Podcast brought to you by Hy-V and Toyson Ford. Dan Casper here with you as always for every episode of the Man Cave Podcast. Big thanks for tuning in and checking checking out this episode. Coming up, we're going to catch up with our good buddy, Justice Cleveland Sports Director, Sports Scene 13. Going to kind of do a little bit of a, a rundown of a bunch of different sports uh, going on in our area. Bucks, Badgers, going to throw some Brewers chat in there, even throw a little golf in there with T-Dub, Tiger Woods and such. But I want to lead off this episode of the podcast talking some Brewers because over the weekend I read a piece from Ken Rosenthal, Ken Rosenthal, longtime baseball insider, now writes for The Athletic. It was about Sal Freelich and potentially a a position change on the horizon for him with the Brewers. But I'm really intrigued with this piece by Ken Rosenthal from The Athletic talking about the Brewers and a potential, I wouldn't say a full-on position switch, but something none of us really thought about. I mean, the the one person we thought about that could maybe play some infield, was could Christian Yelich go over there and play first base? And Brewers shot that thing down a few months ago. Matt Arnold shot that thing down as soon as that started to kind of trickle out there. Nope. And I wouldn't say 100% close the door, but, I mean, right now it's like, nope. Nah, that's not going to be a thing. But this this article, this story... From Ken, long time, long time baseball insider. I thought was was pretty intriguing when it dropped on uh, on Saturday morning. But Sal Freelich getting some time, getting some work, I should say, in the infield. In fact, spent the offseason working with Dustin Pedroia, the former Boston Red Sox longtime second baseman. Uh, he spent some days instructing Freelich uh, on the finer points of infield play. Freelich saying, "I want to be a be- I want to be a baseball player before I'm an outfielder or an infielder. I just want to be a true ball player." Uh, Pedroia saying, "He's a great kid, works his butt off. We covered infield play, angles, positioning, preparation. He did great. It's in his bag. If the team needs him to fill an infield spot, now." Freelich, if anybody's wondering, has he had any experience before in in the infield, playing wise, like uh, at any at any level? He played shortstop in high school, uh, summer leagues. He he played second, short, and third before his freshman year at Boston College, and uh, and again in twenty twenty. So his freshman year at Boston College was in twenty eighteen, and again in twenty twenty. But he didn't play infield in college. And he has not played uh, in the infield in Pro Bowl since the Brewers drafted him in 2021. Now, there's a connection between Dustin Pedroia, Sal Freelich, and the Brewers. Now, Sal Freelich, obviously, going to the Boston College, being a Massachusetts native, very familiar with Dustin Pedroia, one of his favorite players. But also, Pat Murphy. Pat Murphy's got a connection with Dustin Pedroia. Used to coach him, uh, Back in the day, too. So there's that as the connection. Uh, Pat Murphy was actually the one who arranged these workouts. He was Pedroia's coach at Arizona State. So, 
and he got permission. Pat Murphy apparently got permission from Matt Arnold, general manager, to to go this route. Now, when you look at the comparison, Sal Freelich is a little bit of a smaller dude, about five nine. Uh, so he's not he's not like a Joey Weimer type out there, just towering in, in in the outfield and such. But the first name that that kind of comes to mind here, I think, or maybe comes to mind for a lot of people, could it work out this way? Is Mookie Betts, right? Mookie Betts, Gold Glove winning outfielder, and then you know Dodgers just get all these other dudes to to come over and sign up, and now you got Mookie Betts playing. Second base, playing in in the infield for 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 the Dodgers, and you know just kind of looking on social media. That's where a lot of people were like, "Ooh, could it be that kind of route?" Now, to be fair, Mookie also played some second base in his early years for 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 the Red Sox and such. So, I mean, he had a little bit more experience playing in the infield before transitioning pretty much full-time to, to second base or in the infield here with, with the Dodgers. I shouldn't maybe shouldn't say full-time there because he still played over 100 games uh, you know, in right field, played about uh, 70 at second base, 16 and at shortstop. I mean, the guy, Mookie Betts, I mean, Mookie Betts, if you're putting any name, any player comparing to, to Mookie Betts, that's really high praise, and that's not necessarily a, a, doing a favor to Sal Freelick right away to put those type of expectations on there, but... Nonetheless, that was a name that was kind of being thrown out there as a comparison sakes. But Mookie, I, again, a little bit more experience playing in, in the infield. So a little bit easier of a transition for, for, for him. So I don't think the Brewers, and it says in, in the article too that the Brewers do not expect Freelich to be Mookie Betts, who moved seamlessly between right field, shortstop, and second base for the Dodgers. But Pat Murphy seems confident that Sal Freelich could potentially do that, saying if anyone can make that transition, it could be him. And lo and behold, after this article dropped, released, whatever we want to say, Brewers posting a video from spring training, who's getting work at third base? Sal Freelich. I'm intrigued with this with this move. I'm I'm intrigued with it. I don't really have any expectations at this point in time. I'm not like, okay, you you're gonna put Freelick over there in the infield. I'm expecting Mookie Betts type play. Let's let's go. I I really don't have those expectations right now. But I'm intrigued with it and I like the fact that Pat Murphy that the Brewers are looking at potentially different ways to put their best lineup out there. I mean, for the longest time in all offseason, we were talking about, I mean, it's been a major talking point. Who's the odd man out in this young outfield when you factor in Christian Yelich still getting playing time in the outfield? You got Jackson Cheerio signed up long-term, whether he begins the season, whether he's on the opening day team, starting lineup, or whether he begins in AAA, who knows. But we know we're going to see him sooner rather than later now. you got Jackson. He's the future. Garrett Mitchell, Joey Weimer, and Sal Freelick. 
Then you throw in Yelich, it's like, okay, you can only play three outfielders and eight slow-pitch softball, or you can have four outfielders out there, you know. You're, you can only have three. And, okay, DH, but then you got Reese Hoskins coming over, possibly Gary Sanchez now. We'll see if that finally becomes official at any point in time. But we know the Brewers like to rotate guys in and out from, from that DH spot, so it's like, okay, who's the odd man out? We just assume maybe somebody was going to get traded. But I appreciate the fact that the Brewers would be like, you know what? Is there a possibility here that one of these guys can make a a potential position position change? And I don't I don't think it would necessarily be a full on one. And maybe this is where the comparisons for, for Mookie Betts could come in. I mean, he didn't play every single game at second base. If you can get a guy, if you could make Sal Freelick, a player that, you know what, one day he can start in right field, but the next day he can start at second base, depending on pitching matchups and what you want to put in there for for the lineup. I like that the Brewers are are looking at every possible scenario to try to put together their best lineup, to possibly put together their best lineup. We know third base right now, is kind of a position that's up in the air for the Brewers. Whether it's Andrew Monasterio, whether it's Tyler Black, do we put Sal Freelich now into that question or into that equation? But I think it's... I'm intrigued with it, and I like the fact that the Brewers are potentially looking at this and maybe adding some versatility to this lineup. I like it. Trying to get your best players all in that lineup on the field at the same time. You know, questions now will be what does this mean? If you know, if if looking long term now, if this is something that Sal Free like really does well, plays the infield really well, maybe he's better suited at second base than third base, whatever the case may be. I know there's going to be questions about Bryce Terang and, and, and all that sort of stuff, but I think when you look at it long-term future, too, we know Willie Domus isn't going to be here next year. Maybe he doesn't even finish off this year with the Brewers. They're high on Joey Ortiz to be, you know, I would assume their next future shortstop. They're already calling him gold-glove-worthy defenseman. So let's assume Joey Ortiz is going to be your your, your future shortstop. Kind of thought maybe it was going to be Bryce Terang after Willie Downs, but maybe Bryce Terang settles down into that that second base spot. You hope his offensive numbers get better, get a little bit better, get a little bit higher. Okay, Bryce, we know he's got great defense. I mean, call me a homer all you want, but I thought he should have gotten some recognition for some gold glove work over there at second base for some of the plays that he made. So you got him maybe potentially locking down that second base, which I think defensively at second base with last year with the banning of the shift, you need some good speed and you need some solid defense over at second base more so than you did in years prior, which I think having a guy like Bryce Strang over there would be critical. But you still have a potential opening at at third. Now, could that be Tyler Black? Maybe. You know, we've had our guy Brandon Berg on talking about, hey, he might be a guy that transitions to, to first base. Maybe better suited over there. All right. 
maybe there's a possibility that in 2025, the infield for the Brewers, the starting infield for the Brewers, looking long-term, 2025, it could be Sal Freelick at third, Joey Ortiz at short, Bryce Terang at second, Tyler Black at first. That's an incredibly young infield, but a young infield with boatloads of potential. I don't see, and I could be completely wrong, I don't see Sal Freelich being a full-time infielder this year. Don't be surprised to see him getting some starts or getting some games in there, though. I could see him getting some starts, and then maybe, you know, as the game moves on, Brewers are in a lead or it's a tight game, he gets subbed out or or changed out for defensive purposes. Wouldn't be surprised with that. I like this. I like that they're thinking outside the box, and I hope it works out. I hope it works out, if he can do it. I mean, Pat Murphy's saying he reminds him a lot of Dustin Pedroia. That's high praise, too. Pedroia was a really good second baseman for a long time with with Boston. But we shall see. There's a storyline now to follow in spring training. I hope he gets... I hope he gets some games. I hope he gets some action in the infield in these games. I would expect him to with this kind of being out there now. How many, though, that that kind of remains to be seen at this point. All right, let's take a quick break, and we're going to talk to our guy, Justice Cleveland Sports Director Extraordinaire from WEAU 13 News. He's coming up after these quick words. We are always looking to save a little money in our pockets, but we still need our essentials like our grocery items. So how do you save money while also getting what you need for your family? Hy-Vee Perks. If you shop at Hy-Vee, you're already getting a great deal on quality items throughout the store. But now you can save more money with Hy-Vee Perks on different items each week. Saving some money is easy if you shop at Hy-Vee in Eau Claire. So take advantage of these awesome deals and sales and stop on over at Hy-Vee in Eau Claire today. Are you thinking of taking a spring break trip this year? Or maybe you're already eyeing up that summer vacation, but you're not quite sure if you have the proper transportation for those road trips. Hey, that's where Toys and Ford can help you. Toys and Ford has a wide selection of new and used vehicles for you to check out. And at Toys and Ford, they treat you like an honored guest. They will work with you on financing no matter what your budget may be. So if you're looking for that new vehicle this year, head to Toys and Ford, located at 1000 Chippewa Crossing Boulevard in Chippewa Falls. Welcome back, and we've got Justice Cleveland here with us. And I want to lead off talking some uh, Milwaukee Bucks. We had the All-Star game last night's festivities over the weekend. And and Damian Lillard, MVP last night, uh, I didn't realize first time he started an All-Star game. I didn't think of that either, but it probably makes sense being over there in the West. West. It was probably tough to break that lineup. Steph Curry, you know, always kind of over there as a guard. But even Steph wasn't a starter last night, so... But, yeah, it's like, okay, I guess when you think about it, all the Western Conference players over the years. But uh, first time, when you're in a category with MJ for anything, you're probably pretty good. First time since 1988, somebody has won an event on Saturday night and then game MVP because Dame won the three-point contest. Jordan won the dunk contest in 88, game MVP the next day. That feels like that. How did Larry not win it after winning the three-point contest? Yeah. Was that the famous three-point contest that year, 88? Was it 88? I thought that was like 86 or 86. Was it? Okay. I, yeah, don't. Don't, yeah. Don't quote me. That's a long time ago. Didn't even take off his warm-ups. Yeah. 
No, he didn't. Oh, yeah. It's, you know, I, I feel like it's time for me to look. go to YouTube, look up the Ultimate Larry Bird mixtape. Watch it. It's like 10 minutes of just Larry. <laughs> I, I hype this every year because it's just so fun to watch. And just mm-hmm. I think it gives you more of an appreciation for what Larry Bird was. It was. I don't. So he was featured uh, because it was in Indiana, and we know Indiana State. So he was part of like, they did like the intros. I only know this because I watched the first part with Hudson because he's like all about, you know. Oh, I want to watch Giannis and you know all that stuff. So, yeah. and I've grown. I know there's a lot of media people criticizing the game. I mean, they did score over 200 points, and it was no defensive effort, which no shocking to anybody, right? But I've grown to like, okay, it's like the Pro Bowl stuff. It's for younger fans. Yeah, you know, so it doesn't bother me that much anymore. It's like, can I know it's like David Aldridge is like, get rid of the game now, and it's like, but it's for the kids, it's for those right. younger fans. You know, it's not for us old people. You know, sitting on our front yard. Right, and, it's not yeah. going to be a competitive game. Maybe right. for the final three minutes or whatever. But yeah, mm-hmm. no one wants to get hurt. Exactly. So, um, but Larry, your boy was part of the the intros there with Reggie Miller, Pacer. Yeah, Larry Bird. And the big O, Oscar Robertson. Oh, nice. Was on there too. But uh, um, yeah, Dame made it. Made it his night. You know, Tyrese Halberton though was having a on fire right away. It was like the first few minutes he was already up to fifteen points. Right, and that's he was one of those guys for, that was just yeah. chucking it up. But shout out Oshkosh made yeah. it over there. I mean, it's so. it, it, and to do that in Indiana too, it's mm-hmm. gonna be huge. So kind of figured on like he's on track to be the game MVP, but. Nonetheless, Dame. Dame Dame did his thing. So. Kind of nice for the Bucks players too that they only had to travel a few hours south. Mm-hmm. Yep. Just get back on a pl- quick plane ride back to Milwaukee, then get to rest up until Friday. Mm-hmm. Timberwolves, Bucks, nine p.m. W E A U. There you go. Uh, <laughs> and one hundred five point. And I was going to say, come on, I am one hundred five point one. Turn FM it on the TV. Listen to it on the radio. Yep, exactly. We got you covered, Chippewa Valley. Yes, Either exactly. Way. Um, but you look at the second half, Bucks have the third toughest schedule. And I did the math. There's only five games, and I say games because a couple teams are duplicates. Five games right now where they play that's not a playoff team. That's tough. Yeah, that really is. And you look at this March portion coming up here. Clippers, Golden State, who's playing better. Lakers, Clippers, Sacramento, Philadelphia, Phoenix, Boston. Yikes. Yeah, that's going to be a good test and see where they can end up in the conference standings after all this. If they they got to play, obviously, better basketball than they played in the last mm-hmm. this month. Yep. You hope the rest helps, but, I mean, how much rested Damon on his get? You yeah. still get five more days, basically five days off after the All-Star game, four days until right. you hit, you know, you go to Minnesota. And it's a short travel game, too, mm-hmm. for them. So at least that works out. Then you got Philly on Sunday. Yeah, I mean – are the excuses over with now, do you think? Like, okay, got Doc in here for a few games. You're kind of, you know, trying to figure out the the mixture of incorporating his style and, and all that. We've seen better defensive numbers. Offense is kind of, you know, taken down. But at this point in time now with the second half here, is it, you know, with this team being as talented as they are, should the excuses now be over with? It's go time. You've got th- to start it playing. It has to be. Yeah. It has to be. I mean, I think you, you give – you know, it's been basically a month now for Doc. You mm-hmm. have a little bit of leeway there. Obviously, you're coming in mid-season to a team that you weren't coaching to start mm-hmm. the season. Defense, you said it did step up for a couple games there. Kind of struggled the last couple 
the Miami and the Memphis game. The Memphis one, dude. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like the turnstile some days. Some yeah. days it's just, and then it's Doc said after the games, like some guys were already in Cabo or whatever yep. in their minds. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you hope that the, the break helps. I think it's a team that I love the makeup of the team. And you still, you know, Chris Middleton has, you know, obviously, you know, extenuating circumstances the last couple of weeks mm-hmm. for him being away from the team. But you get him back. We haven't seen him 100% in two years. Yeah. And I don't know if we'll ever will at this point. But right. if you can get him back in there, that's a guy you just kind of forget about at this point. But that's almost like you look at that as like a midseason acquisition. If Chris Middleton can come back and be a big part of this team mm-hmm. and really be part of that big three right. that you're looking for, this could be a different team. So mm-hmm. that's that's what you got to hope here coming here in the second half as it starts. Because Giannis is doing his thing. I mean, I, yeah. you know, Giannis is doing his. And stuff. Dame's doing his thing. It's yeah. kind of unfortunately, it's the way the league works. Is that yeah, you two guys can do a lot, but these teams are all these teams are so talented, especially in the upper echelon, mm-hmm. that you need more than just two players. You, you really, it is a team game. As much as people want to say, oh. You got two superstars. How are you not winning? It's like they're winning a lot of games, mm-hmm. but they're not winning all the games that they should be. And right. that's where the rest of the team has to step up. Super high expectations heading into this year, and rightfully so. Right. You know, and yes, they are in the three seed, which for a lot of people would love to be there. But you know, with the team that had so super high expectations, and that it's like, what's wrong? And even like during, depending on which telecast you were watching last night, that was a topic of conversation between Barkley and, and Draymond Green and such on their telecast was like, what's wrong with the Bucks? You know, that's what they were talking in the first quarter, you know. But I think a lot of it is just the super high expectations placed yeah. on this team. It really, it, yeah, you fire a coach, a guy who two years prior had won you a title. Yeah. And it's not like... You're the, talking Boonholzer. Yeah, Boonholzer. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah, the first firing. Yeah. And you bring in Dane Lillard, a generational talent. Mm-hmm. And you have Giannis, who's... One already headed towards one of the all-time greats of in history of the league. Yep. And then you kind of bring in a first-time head coach on top of right. that, you know, and it's and like... And the defense just wasn't there. No. So Especially the, when you bring in a coach who's supposed to be known for his defense, right. Adrian Griffin. So what's the miscalculations? Yeah. You mm-hmm. look at it. I don't think... I think bringing Dame in, I'm all for that. No offense to Drew Holiday, who I think is a good player, but mm-hmm. Dame's a better player overall. Like, you're going to get more from him at this point than you're going to Drew. Maybe right. not defensively, but offensively. So I can't fault him for that move. Mm-hmm. I just think it was the, you know Adrian Griffin wasn't ready for prime time, mm-hmm. and it wasn't it was in a spot that he wasn't ready for, and we saw that just be a detriment to their defense. And mm-hmm. in this league where people can score twelve points in one minute, if you're not on. You're gonna give up points, and that's what the Bucks were doing. So now it's a matter of just kind of, you know, turning that wrench to getting back to where a team that was one of the top defensive teams under Budenholzer for a few of those years. Mm-hmm. They need to get back to that because that's what got you, helped lead you to a title. Mm-hmm. So yep. defense wins t- championships. <laughs> oh, so yeah, we'll see how it uh, kind of transpires here. But you look at how the Western Conference and the Eastern Conference is made up. The top few teams in the Western Conference are separated by like a game and a half. Yeah. And then the Eastern Conference, it's Boston, then a gap, Cleveland, and then you got Milwaukee, who's still a couple games back from them there, too. So it's just like it's Boston's conference at this point in time. Yeah. I would say the yeah. Bucks are still the second best team in the conference. Mm-hmm. Philadelphia, it's, depending on what happens there, and Embiid being out, that right. hurts there. But it would be between Milwaukee and Philly, in my mind, are still the two top two mm-hmm. other two teams other than Boston. 
in that conference. Yep. It's just both those teams have issues to, to work out to be at their top level. Mm-hmm. There was uh, another point, too, where they were talking about, and I can kind of sense this, too. You you look at some of the teams, like in the Western Conference, you got Minnesota at the top. you got OKC, very young teams, right? Yep. A couple of young teams there. And Barkley is like, I'm not picking them to go far because he talked about their experience. Yeah. He's like, you still you got the clip because they're talking about the Clippers. You know, a lot of veteran guys on there: Kawhi, Paul George, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, even the Suns. You know, up there too. Could that be a thing where it helps actually the Bucks when it gets to postseason because a little bit more veteran experience? You got the Knicks who are up there, Cleveland, you know, yep. up there too, and such. Possibly, we'll see. I mean, Indiana too is another team that mm-hmm. is really young, and you wonder what can happen to them once they get in the playoffs. I think there's a team like Miami. Then we've seen Miami be enough players that have are veteran-laden, mm-hmm. that that could be an issue, that they're able to take some of these younger teams and experienced teams and, and get the yep. win. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's boding to be a fun. I, I've been saying this about a lot of postseasons, but this one, <laughs> NBA-wise, yeah, I don't think there's, you know, you can say Boston's a front-runner, but I don't feel like they are. I think it, it, it's going to just kind of... They've got issues, too. Yeah, it's yeah. just going to be one of those maybe that just comes out of the blue again mm-hmm. where you're not expecting what... You know, a team on each side mm-hmm. to do that. So, uh, before I want to get back to a Brewers nugget here that I just just read here, but before that, Badger wise hoops, they got five games left in this regular season. Uh, I thought I jinxed them by saying, "Hey, start watching this Badger team when they were getting ready for Nebraska and they were number six. Maybe it was justice that jinxed them by <laughs> getting ready for credentials for the conference. Yeah, Big tournament. Ten conference yeah. tournament over in Target Center. I'm like, yeah. yeah, maybe we'll get some credentials for that. And yeah. it's just been all downhill since I did that. I mean, you want to talk about a complete tailspin with this group? It's, did we overrate them? I think they were playing above their head for a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Have come back down to earth and then you know throw in some struggles. This you got five games here to kind of right the ship before. Mm-hmm. Conference tournament too, right. so you, you know seven eight games left here. You think about it before the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to see what this team can do defensively. We were talking off air. It's like this is a team that prides himself on defense, and they're just not getting it done. It's the same, you know, it's kind of with the Bucks. It's like where has this defense? Where has that traditional Badger defense gone? Mm-hmm. A lot of it, you know, and I'm not going to put it just all on Stephen Crowell. But that team seems to live or die with what Stephen Crowell is doing. Mm-hmm. If he's scoring on offense. They're usually winning. If he's getting some stops on defense, they're usually winning. But when he's not doing either of those, it, it you know changes the dynamic of that team. So I would you, you got to hope that they can just get mm-hmm. something going defensively, and obviously offensively can be up or down. They're hot or cold, but yep. they're not teams that I'm going to count out just because we still know this team could beat right. anybody. But as I've said for how many years on this show, it's the Badgers. They can beat anybody, and they, they can, can lose, lose to anybody. anybody. Exactly. So. Five games left. Maryland coming up on Tuesday. They still got Illinois and Purdue and Rutgers, who they lost to as well, on their schedule too. So ain't going to get any easier. Purdue. I mean, I don't. Other than UConn, who dominated Marquette. Yeah, I don't know if there's a team that's dominant. Yeah, anywhere. Purdue's human. Yep. Every other team that's been in the top ten has lost in the last two or three weeks. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It's just been UConn and this just shuffling of teams. Down and up the top twenty-five. So yeah, I don't think there. Other than UConn, is, there's a dominant team right now in college basketball. You know, Hudson might be onto something. I asked him yesterday if he was going to do a bracket because he won it last year, <laughs> and he's like, "No." And I'm like, well, "Why wouldn't you want to do it?" And I'm like, "Are you like retiring on top?" He's right. like, 
And this kid's quote, he's like, yeah, it's like when you win the Super Bowl and you retire. I'm like, okay, John Elway. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but with all the upsets, he might be right. Right. I mean, point, it's going like... to be flip a coin for a lot of these games. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's going to be fun. Yeah. But, man, like, it's it's so hard to just tell who's really good mm-hmm. and who's just there. You know, there's a lot of teams that are just right in that middle ground of yep. being almost are good teams. But that upper echelon, I think, right now is, is UConn and then maybe Purdue's knocking on the door. Yeah. But we've seen them have their struggles. So. Arizona looked really good at the beginning of the year, and then yep. they've struggled too. So Every Kansas, team's kind of had their stretches. Yeah. Kansas, yeah, definitely you know. has had the last couple of weeks too. So. North Carolina, you know. But yeah. Man. Pick a top ten team. Right. Other Marquette than, too. Yeah, you know. other than UConn, yep. everybody's struggled at some point in the last, last month. So Yep. All right, so I was curious if this was gonna ha- gonna happen. I, you know, with uh, talked a little bit about it with Brandon last week. Rob Manfred said that you know he's going to retire in twenty twenty nine. Still got five years. Yeah, I loved for, that. For, was like breaking news: Rob Manfred to right. retire in five years. Yeah, this is he's <laughs> last last tenure as president. Okay, so yeah. he's still got a few years here. And of course, you've got people wondering who's going to be the next commissioner. Theo Epstein's a very popular name out there. Um, I kind of wonder would this guy get out there because he was apparently considered for the job in 14 when Manfred got it. But according to The Athletic, they got a list. Mark Anasio. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, so I'll read a little bit here. Uh, the Brewers' Mark Anasio. I'm reading from The Athletic, so I don't want Brewers fans coming after me right. for this. <laughs> the Brewers' Mark Anasio is one of the better regarded owners today. He was a rumored candidate even back in 2014 when Manfred was elected, and his name is again popping up. He was one of the owners advising Manfred on the lay, on labor during the last CBA and used to be on Manfred's executive council. But would a lead owner really want the job? Speaking generally, and certainly not on behalf of any owners, although he does talk to many, Agent Scott Boris, who maybe he should be the commissioner, uh, suggested a current lead owner might be unlikely to pursue the gig. Quote, the commissioner's job is for millionaires, not billionaires. It's not uh, for owners. Owners are billionaires now. Which, again, Brewers fans probably thinking, okay, where's the billionaire money yeah, coming well, from? You know? yep. uh, the ability to bring a true head... To PJ Tour. Yeah. <laughs> the ability to bring a true head to the octopus, as he puts it, Boris, who is the greatest thorn in the side of owners in perhaps the last 30 years, and who has never single signaled an intent to do anything other than represent players is not a candidate. So, well, no, there there's go. no so, way Scott Boris yeah. would even be considered. He'd be taking a huge pay cut at right. that point. So, I don't know if I like the idea a of an owner going back to being. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's too much. It's just too. It's unfair to the players, and you're just asking for trouble if you put an owner back up there. Mm-hmm. Bud Selig, yes, he did. You know, twenty years as, but that was because they had. Like they were in a tough position and had to put somebody in there, and mm-hmm. Selig took over, and then they just left him there the whole time. Right. I just don't know if I like. I mean, the owners would. Owners want one of their own. Right. Because the commissioner team. works for the owners. Right. You know. So, and they're the ones that that commissioner gets up there and takes all the heat. You know, kind of yeah. the the face and all that. But be another Brewers owner. Yeah. You know, how crazy would that be? A small market owner too. You know. I mean, but, if you're going to have one, I think small market's the way to go because right. at least they understand the financial struggles, financial struggles. I use air quotes of that for a billionaire. Mm-hmm. Right. Again. Yeah. It's financial struggles, but to a point of where they just don't want to use their own money. 
And <laughs> for, for Brewers fans to be saying, hey, this is a way to get Mark Anasio out of ownership, he could transfer it to his family, though, I right. believe. Right, no, yeah, well, you know? exactly. And he's already signaled that's what he would like to do when he's done, stays within the family yeah. sort of thing. So that doesn't mean he's going to be out and you get a brand new owner like the Bucks and spending money and making it rain. Right, and I don't place, want to discount so. what Antanasio has done for the, the, for the franchise. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've sustained one of their largest, most successful streaks ever in franchise history. It just makes you, you know, there's always that, and he's a billionaire, where's the money when mm-hmm. you need it, and you're trading, you know, Josh Hader's in the middle of the season when you're right. competitive. So that always can bring up questions. And you mentioned the PJ Tour. He's also part of the group that, yep. you know, invested into the PJ Tour. He was one of the first names that's mentioned as part of this, like, well, he's spending money there, you know, that's, yeah. you know, you point to you those have, different ones. You can't put money up for the stadium. That has to go to the taxpayers and the state. Mm-hmm. That's why yep. billionaires are billionaires, apparently, is because they don't spend their own money. Right. They find ways to have somebody else spend money for them. So, mm-hmm. yeah. When you got that much money, that's how it works. I think. I haven't figured it out yet. Yeah. <laughs> You're not the only one, dude. So, but I was kind of wondering, and then, yep. So his, his name's being floated. I think it's Theo at this point in time, but we got five years to discuss that. Right. So, I mean, it's such know, a it's, long ways away. I know. It was it's, just weird that. I guess, yeah, I guess it's, what is it, five-year, ten years is how it works? It must be somewhere around there, yeah, five, six-year, ten years or something, but, yeah. It's just like, I don't know, what was the point of mentioning it? Like, yeah, it was going to be my last one. Like, hey, guys, I'm leaving. Yeah. Not not, not for a while, but. But this is a guy that, I mean, you look at it, he said some weird things at some random times. He's been very polarizing. Not even polarizing at times. It's just the public sentiment against him has has been loaded against him. I feel like you could do almost a Dave Letterman top 10 most weird things he has said. Yeah. Going back to kind of like, I mean, he called the World Series trophy a hunk of metal. Right. It's like, dude, (laughs) you kind of lower. And then in that same conference where he's like, yeah, I'm going to retire in five years. Talking about the new jerseys that people are freaking out about. He's like, well, this has been the most tested jersey in all sports. It's like, Huh? The t-shirts? Yeah. They're not even jerseys at this point. Yeah, I'm like, what do you mean it's been the most tested? Like, what do you go through with... I feel like that's George Costanza switching the Yankees jerseys to to Cotton at that point. Most tested, i.e. Nike and Fanatics are giving us a lot of money. Mm -hmm. It's easier for them to manufacture this jersey, so it's cheaper for them. Profit margins are more up there for them. Yep. Money, 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 money. That's, that's what talks. Yeah. That's what it is. I just I feel like sometimes that guy needs another person next to him. Like, can I say this part? No? Okay, I won't make that comment. Right. It's just like some of these comments like, dude, did you just hear what you said? The inner monologue yeah. just isn't there for the tact to, to know right. when to say stuff. And I'm sure like the hunk of metal thing was it, you know, was off the cuff. Right. But when you're the in optics that position, wasn't, yeah. yeah, when you're in that position, you can't. You can't. You got to watch every word you say. So because I built, wasn't that during the whole cheating scandal too? Yeah. Where with the criticism, and then you go out there and say, "Well, it's just a hunk of metal." Like you're trying to downplay the World Series, right? And that's this is the, the biggest thing. thing. Yeah. yeah, this is what everybody's playing for. So if you're discounting it, then fans are like, "Why are we? Why do we care?" Yeah. I just it's some of the stuff that kind of comes out of his mouth. It's like, dude, you. You, I know you were a lawyer, but you might need a little PR training right. at this point. And so. I love baseball. It's, it mm-hmm. probably has been my favorite sport. You know, golf and baseball right, the, right up there forever. But sometimes, and the game still needs help. The mm-hmm. game's still, it's not as fun to watch as a casual fans as it 
So, you're just, so you still don't have hitting. Mm-hmm. And it's still hard for guys to hit this pitching. Yeah. Until you can get more action. Even if the games are quicker, you still need more action. And I know they're trying to do that. But that that's still going to be the problem with baseball. Home runs are great. Yep. But you still need a little more action in between the home runs. Mm-hmm. All right, before I let you go now, got to bring up at least a golf thing. Tiger, I don't know if it was the, the burger that he ate. We'll, we'll, we'll leave the brand name out of it right now. But I know if you go on, on, media, on social media, people are having fun with it. Withdraws due to not feeling well, illness yeah. and that. But again, you've got questions. Can the guy play uh, four rounds of of golf at at this point? I know he said earlier that his goal is to play a tournament a month this year. He feels like he can do that. You got the Masters coming up here too. But that to me, I'm I feel now more than any. I think at any other point, Tiger's done. Like I, yeah. I'm one of those fans that was just holding on, holding on. But now I'm just like, nope. It ain't happening. The only positives were, like Gary Woodland saying, like who was playing with him. Mm-hmm. Is that a lot of the stuff he looked good, especially on Thursday. Right. Other than his one shank on 18. Yeah. That he still managed to, I think, par. Or yeah. <laughs> but then he said it was back spasms. Like, oh, God, back right. problems exactly. again. You yeah. know, he it's... said his back's locking up. So I think we at some point we got to accept that Tiger's never going to be. There's always that hope that he can be back to this guy who's winning tournaments all the time. Yep. Well, I say he'll win. He'll, is there still a chance he wins another major? There's still a chance. I mean, he goes to Augusta. That's muscle memory at mm-hmm. Augusta. Yep. And we saw that's how he was in 2019. Mm-hmm. Got the win there. So I think he could still win there. I just don't know if it's going to happen anywhere else. Mm-hmm. It still could. He could catch fire. But as anybody, I mean, I'm getting closer to my mid-40s. You wake up one day, you feel like you're 21, 22 years old. You wake up the next day, and you're like, I'm sore everywhere and i don't know why and this is a guy who's got like metal in his right, body exactly. all I mean, over. that guy's been yeah. through so much his body wise compared to you know me or anybody else like yeah so he's a lot of muscle he's, there's a lot of strength in that man mm-hmm. it's just can it all come together again i don't know i hope <sighs> like because i mean we got one more he'll play in one more tournament before the masters is it the players i think is yeah. It? yeah yeah so he'll have one more chance to see what he can do mm-hmm. but i don't know if one tournament's enough Enough, and he's even talked. That's the grind: is mm-hmm. getting out there and trying to practice as much as you need to be an upper echelon tour player. Because yeah. all those guys are good. You saw it this weekend. At one point, there was five guys tied for the lead at fourteen under. Yeah, and Matsuyama just took to off 62. like a run. Yeah, nearly yeah. ties, takes the course record there. Yep. I yeah. I, you I I mean the major championship records out of the question. I think at this point. Yeah. Can he win just one more tournament to break the tie with Sam Snead? I think he's Is got that his one goal more. now. I think he's got somehow maybe one more. But again, he's getting he's what up forty seven, forty eight, forty. I mean, that's yeah. in the terms of golf. I know with Phil winning a couple years ago at fifty, fifty one. Yep. But still, these guys, again, these guys are in better shape than they've ever been. Mm-hmm. And you know, t- you know, when Jack won at forty seven, that was just like whoa. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility somebody winning in their fifties again, but with what his body's been through, it's again almost, I think the Masters would be his best bet. Do you? And I hate to say this, but if it is a goal of his to just win one more tournament, so he's at top, does he just go to a lower tier t- tournament and try to win it? I don't. Is think that his? I don't think that's his mindset. No, though. I think he wants to be playing the best tournaments, mm-hmm. playing his best golf. 
Yep. I, I agree. Like, I don't think, no offense, but, like, if the greater Milwaukee was still around, right. I could go back to that one to try to win it and be like, okay, TPC I'm at the top. Twin Cities. Like, yeah. that's a, you know, that's nope. right after the British, you know, the British Open. I know it's the Open The Open, yeah. <laughs> but also, and you know, I want to feel play the Open again. For me, that's that's one of those because we when we saw Tom Watson almost win it mm-hmm. at fifty nine, that's a lot more. It's not so much bombing the ball, some of the tur- courses up, but a lot of it's just playing the right clubs and and just being consistent. And, and avoiding, can Tiger do that? Do you think he's doing that? That's a tough thing. I don't yeah. know if he's got that the wedge game like he mm-hmm. used to. It was one of the best wedge players of all time, right? And the, the mindset to play maybe a little bit of a shorter game. Yep, you know. Yeah, dude, you can't bomb it down there all that time, all that far anymore. You know, does he have to, and has he changed the mindset? I got to play my game differently a little bit. Kind of like, you know, I'll say Kobe to, to kind of wrap it up. You know, Kobe at the back end of his career changed how he played basketball a little bit. Yeah. Got older, you know. You would think Tiger's been doing that, and I think he has for, for some aspects of his game. But is he doing it enough to focus on the other parts of his game? That's a big thing because when you're playing week in and week out, you put yourself in situations like he had on the 18th hole with that shank shot, mm-hmm. where he's behind two trees, has to play it between and get it on the. And he did a great job. I'm like, yeah. But you're in those situations more. Mm-hmm. Now those are big. It's, it's a lot more pressure on you when you haven't been in those situations that much. Yeah. If at all, when you're playing practice rounds, I'm sure you're not just lining up in the rough between two trees and playing ball. So because you can't hit a two iron from 280 yards out anymore, probably 300, whatever it right. may be back in the day. Or you can't flip your club around so it's upside down and you're hitting that off the pine needles and onto the green. Right. He can't do that anymore. No, he's not playing out of that, that tough stuff as mm-hmm. much as he's playing out of the fairway. And that just it, it can add up when you're playing in those tough situations. Yeah. Still, Masters are coming up in a couple months. Yeah. I still, I'm still i never going to count them out there, like I said, because it's muscle memory for a lot of these guys. It's a tough course, obviously. It's one of the mm-hmm. toughest in the world. Yeah. But... These are guys who have been playing that course for 20, 25 years. So at least that's yeah. like going back to your municipal that you play all the time because you've played that course so many times. Well, how old was Sergio when he won? He was in his 40s, right? Right. Mid 40s. So hopefully. I still want him to win one more. I so, do too. Yeah, I agree. You're going to get a Tiger hat? Oh, I see you got your Nike hat on. You're the get Sunday a red. Sunday, yep. Red. By the way, we got a Monday Daytona 500. That's right, because the. Well, delay, weather, yep. weather delay. So, but when does that start? Do you know what's happening? 3 p.m. 3 p.m.? Yeah. Okay. So I, I, know, I know they have the Xfinity race also running today. Don't oh, you? But yeah, they got that. And we'll see if Ryan Blaney can come from the rear of the field. Unfortunately, got wrecked in one of the dual races on Thursday, but mm-hmm. usually has a strong car. And I mean, with Daytona or, you know, restrictor plate racing, being mm-hmm. 35th to start doesn't, is, is a lot different. And, there than it does it means at like martinsville so he's got a chance to you know wake work his way up if he can stay out of trouble mm-hmm. yep that's going to do it for us on this episode of the man cave podcast again brought to you by our good friends from high v and toys and ford as always if you got a few seconds please i would really appreciate it if you could help us out like on apple and spotify if you can give us a five-star rating and on apple give us a positive review so others can find the podcast Again, big thanks for tuning in, as always. And until next time, I'm Dan Casper, and I will talk to you on the next episode of the Man Cave Podcast.